Well, how are we doing, Pantano? All of our folks around the country, around the globe, Trevor DeVage with my co-host extraordinaire, just back from Mexico, Dylan Mitchell. I got a little son, I think. You like, did get, dude, you got, you got a little son. Pink nose. You, you, it's not, it's tannish pink now. Oh. I, th- I think you're starting to go from like medium rare to, to well done. <laughs> like, I think that's where it is on a Monday. Co-host well done. Yeah, yeah. Co- he's our well done co-host. That's um, good. You know, it's, uh, so man, you just got back from Rocky Point. Yeah, um, it was my first trip out. Um, me and Melissa went down. Uh, we followed uh, Chris Hamlin and his family down on Wednesday. Wednesday. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's all kind of a blur. But it was a great trip. Um, we were actually the only team, I think, that was kind of bouncing between all the sites. And so there were six build sites. And we got to watch six different houses in various stages. Be so built. For, for our listeners that don't know what Rocky Point is, explain Rocky Point. So Rocky Point is a trip where we partner with One Mission, um, which is the name of the organization. Right. One Mission, not just hey, not we're just partnering. A with, mission. We're just finding one mission down there. We're just partner with it. Um, but they're they're a really great organization in Rocky Point, Mexico. Um, and every year, that's kind of our big mission trip that we push here at Pantano. Um, and like I said, this was my first year to get to go, um, and it was it was really cool. Um, it's it's mainly kind of built as a construction trip, so many different teams building several different houses. Um, but there's also like some, some childcare teams that are taking care of some kids. There's a fun, like if you've been around Pantano and you've had like breakfast at Pantano, our kitchen team comes down there and actually cooks for everyone oh, too. So like bro. meals, like you don't even want to go out to eat while you're down there. You're yeah. just like eating the food that they're cooking at the camp and it's phenomenal. Yeah. Well, and so really, really cool story too on the backside of that, like what you just said, it, it sparked this to me. So kitchen team, so I, I've got a friend, his name's Rusty. We baptized him last baptism Sunday. If you remember the picture of the guy with a really long white beard, oh, yeah. and he comes out and the beard's all crazy. Um, so Rusty comes and meets with me a couple of weeks ago. He comes to my office. He was like, hey, do you like do you like sausage? And I was like, that's a really weird question to ask somebody when you walk in their office. And I was like, yeah. He goes, do you like, do you like spicy? And I was like, yeah, why are you asking weird questions, man? He was like, well, I, I brought some. He makes this spicy sausage patty. He was like, will you try it? And I was like, yeah. So he comes in to meet with me at like two in the afternoon. I'm sitting here like, I guess I'm going to use spicy sausage at two in the afternoon. Bro, it was so good, but melt my face off kind of good. Like I was sweating, like coming out of my pores. Like Norma it, salsa. Spicy. It was worse. Oh, wait, more worse. spicy. Yeah. Wait, worse is not the right term. Better. It was more spice. And so, uh, he was talking about trying to plug in somewhere and volunteer and he kind of reached out to Ken. So I, I walked him over to Ken that next Sunday Dude, this Sunday I walk in, he's working the line in the kitchen, and Ken has had him make this sausage that's, oh, that's, going, awesome. that's going on the line. So it's got a name. It's in a, a like he came in and made his own sausage for the church on Sunday. So I'm walking around seeing people eating it, and they're half eaten. And I'm like, you can't handle it, can you? And they're like, <laughs> it's so good, but it's so hot. I'm like, I know I'm not your face <laughs> off. Um, but I love that, like, Ken's heartbeat is he's got a team at Rocky Point, he's got a team here, and he's got a new guy that's come in with ideas for the kitchen and lets him run with it immediately immediately and puts him on the line serving it with the name of it and it, oh that's it, so cool and and i'm just watching as rusty is just happier than he could be serving people and that's an everyday maker everyday maker absolutely making a sausage bro uh 
What's the old adage though? You don't want to see how the sausage are made. I don't want to know what happens. I just know it's good. I'm just it's just every it. spice in the kitchen just <laughs> Girl, dumped into it, it. But it's so good. Like it's like overwhelming, but it's good at the same time. It'd be good in a burrito. Ooh, like some eggs, that spicy sausage, a pantano breakfast burrito uh, with yeah. that sausage. Yes, mm. yes, 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 yes. Ken, uh, Ken, we just had an idea. I uh, hope you listen to the podcast. If not, if if the sausage is not in the burrito next week, we know you don't listen. That's right. That's right. That's your litmus test. Um, <laughs> that should be every staff member's litmus test. If we mention something and they don't know that we... And they don't do anything about it. You just it. got a million dollar raise. Well, you didn't listen. Sorry, you don't get You never it. said no, anything no. about it. Yeah, you never you never asked. I told you what to do. <laughs> um, so, by the way, nobody's getting a million dollar raise at all. Nobody, nobody makes a million dollars here. So, um, all right, man. Well, what do you got? What, what are we talking about today? So, like I said, I was gone in Rocky Point um, and I didn't get... Like, I heard part of your message... Um, but cell service in Rocky Point, even though we had the international coverage, not is not wonderful. Right. Um, so why don't you walk us through your message from this weekend? Uh, what is it? Week three of Seismic? Week three of Seismic Shifts. And we're, we're talking about uh, this week was uh, chapter chapter eight, nine, really. Saul's conversion, um, who will later be Paul. And uh, r- really the whole the whole premise is earth shattering life change. That, like, you know, the seismic shift here is when the earth shatters. God scatters and you realize your life matters. That's that was the whole premise of the of the message. And let me unpack that a little bit. I unpacked it yesterday as well. But um, we think of earth shattering as like God destroys something, which is kind of true. He destroys an old self. Uh, but there was this earth shattering life change that happened in the life of Saul, where he's on his way to kill Christians, imprison Christians. Um, Stephen has just been stoned to death. He's been killed by by basically Saul's cohort of extremists. And, and here you find now Saul's on his, he's like got orders from the, the religious council to go to Damascus and arrest people, like pull Christians out of their homes and put them in chains. And uh, on his way, he has this like earth shattering, blinding experience with Jesus, literally blinded him. And, um, and, and it changes everything. It, and because he has this earth shattering moment, God destroys kind of all those things of the past that weren't of God. And puts a whole new thing inside of him. Well, you kind of see him move from a destroyer to a difference maker. Yeah, exactly what I actually used that line yesterday in the message that he goes from destroying the body of Christ to being a difference maker. And, and you know, that's our mission statement here at Pantano as well, that we love people to Jesus um, and then we launch passionate people to make a difference. And, you know, he goes from like not loving Jesus to loving Jesus to now a passionate difference maker and it changes everything. The part of the reason you and I get to do what we do today is because of Paul's experience then. Mm. Um, and I don't think we understand the gravity of those moments. Like we look at the story of Saul, who becomes Paul, and we're like, oh, that was some supernatural guy. Like super like we think he's like the Avengers, right? right? You right. know, it's like Marvel. Um, but he's just an everyday dude like us. He's just like you, he's just like me. He was a he was an everyday guy. I don't I, I think you're right. I think there is some like separation in our mind. Like we don't identify these as just normal. And, and like the vast majority of Bible stories are just normal people. All, yeah, all of them minus, minus anything with Jesus. And, and Jesus was a hundred percent human. Right. And so you, you begin to like, I have to contextualize that because we, you know, we look at these stories and we make them, these people larger than life. Um, I love in the book of Acts, actually the same book that we're studying, it says that they were unschooled, ordinary, uneducated men, but it was evident they'd been with Jesus. That was the delineation. It wasn't their education. It wasn't their background. It wasn't some like, man, they got some superpower. It was it was evident they'd been with Jesus. Wow. That's the describer. And so here you have Saul who has this conversion with Jesus, 
Ananias, which is a whole other side of the story that we talked about yesterday, a completely different way that he's being uh, having an earth shattering moment that he's Ananias loves Jesus. He also knows Saul's background. So when, when Jesus is like, Hey, you're going to go to this guy named Saul of Tarsus. And he's like, but Lord, wait a minute. Nope. I'm not. Do you know who that dude is? And Jesus is like, okay, talk for a few minutes. Ananias. We're going to just dismiss what you're talking about because you're going to go. But I, like Saul has his reputation in the church. He's killing Christians. He's imprisoning Christians. He's putting them in chains, um, all at the hand of the religious elite. So Paul is one of those Pharisees of the Pharisees. Right. And, and, and he's got Roman citizenship. So he's got like both worlds and he's, he's both. And, and so you see this moment though, that, that Saul has this life change. And, and from that moment on, everything changes from that moment on, he begins to preach and he begins to lead, and he begins to, now he takes that same seismic shift that was earth-shattering in his life. God scatters him, which I think is really interesting. Week one, we talked about Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, mm-hmm. ends of the earth. That's where he's going to scatter them. When you go to chapter 8, it says that the, the believers were scattered to Judea and Galilee and Samaria, which is the same places at the very beginning of the book of Acts that we talked about week one. But then now you have Saul is preaching in these places. And it says... That, that he actually, because he went and preached in those places, the church found peace and growth. Those were the two mm-hmm. results of him being scattered to the places that were in unrest and weren't growing. Paul going, his life being altered, earth-shattering life change. God scattered him to the places where he said he was going to scatter people. And as a result, peace and growth in the church is what happened. It's really, really like, it's a beautiful story, but at the same time, it, there's a lot of heartache in the story too. I mean, Paul goes through this life altering experience. The people with him go through it. Now the people that he was working for are trying to kill him. Like it's not pretty. It doesn't have a bow on top. Oh, it's of a it. lifetime movie. Uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> the, the difference in a lifetime movie, they tell you everything in the title, right? You just don't know what's coming. No, you do. They tell you in the title, every lifetime movie. No, no, no. I mean with this. Oh yeah. With this <laughs> one. Yeah. This is more like unsolved mysteries. Right. Uh, but have you ever noticed about Lifetime, though? It's like the name of the movie, the the woman who was scorned by husband and murdered him and left his body in the desert. Next on Lifetime. It's like, you just <laughs> I wonder what's going to happen. What's going to happen in the story? I don't know. It's, you know. it's funny because we're coming up on Lifetime movie season. Yeah. Um, and, and Hallmark. And Hallmark. They're all the same. I'm convinced they're every, made by the same group of writers. Every Hallmark movie is the exact same. I'm sorry if you like Hallmark movies. I'm talking to my mom. She likes Hallmark movies. Uh, you know what? My girls like them, which is really weird because my girls aren't typically girly girl movie girls. But for whatever, I think it's Christmas because I love Christmas. But. I'm like, so small town guy has businesswoman come to town. A mean, brokenhearted businesswoman. Yeah, who's just scorned by the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's, yet, he's probably like, he owns a Christmas tree farm. Yep, that's true. Or he chops wood. Mm-hmm. Or he has a He barn. has to wear a flannel at some point. And take his shirt off uh-huh. uh, uh, while he's sweating in the winter. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, then they're going to drink coffee at a little quaint little coffee shop yep. and have hot cocoa. Yep. And... Uh, There'll be a Christmas light festival that they'll walk around. And, and then then she'll change. She'll right. remember the small town she came from. Right. But then then she'll get scared and she's going <laughs> to She'll push him away. She's going to push him away and drive back to the city because she can't, she doesn't want to hurt him. But mm-hmm. now she's going to hurt herself because no one could love her. Yes. And then she'll have a wreck in the snow and he'll find her and bring her home. And then at the end, they're back at the same Christmas tree festival and she probably lights a candle or a light bulb. She gets to actually flip the switch for the lights that night. Or puts a star on the tree Mm -hmm. and uh, and then they kiss and it's magical and And, that's every Hallmark movie you've ever seen. I just told them. We just gave the narrative. You don't need to watch any of them. No. That's how they all play out. Right. Now Saul's story is more like Unsolved Mysteries. Robert Stack comes on and goes, next on Unsolved Mysteries. (laughs) By the way, that show scared the living daylights out of me as a kid. 
Robert's attack of voice <laughs> freaked me out. Absolutely. And there's a new Unsolved Mysteries now. Have you seen this no. on, Netflix? on Netflix? Really? Yeah, it comes out this week. Ooh. Yeah, I can't watch it. I'm still traumatized from childhood. No, we're going to watch it together. No, we're not. No, we're not. You can tell me about it. We'll, tell, we'll, we'll watch it on your back porch. We'll, we'll watch no, it outside. I'm definitely not watching it outside in the <laughs> desert. Are you kidding me? Like, I don't want my body to be like, I don't want to be the unsolved mystery. I don't want to be like, he was watching unsolved mysteries on his back porch. And now he's an unsolved mystery. Like, I, I don't want that. I'm, I'm freaked what out. What a way to go. It is a way. <laughs> it's a way to go. I don't know if it's what a way to go. It is a way to go. That's for sure. Um, and but, we've derailed. Hey, I, I just twelve like minutes to, in. I'd like to point out though that I didn't derail this one. You didn't. This I, was this was entirely. This me. was this was a rocky this point. Is, Dylan's this is lack of sleep and yeah, you've not had enough of your coffee today. I have not. Uh, that which <laughs> which I love that it only took how many episodes have we been at? This is this fourteen. Uh, fourteen. Yeah, I'm I'm Ron Burgundy. Did you just have an anger man? <laughs> I like that 14 episodes in is how long it took you to derail an episode. It took me like 30 seconds into the first episode to derail an episode. You weren't even on the trailer for this podcast, and I'm pretty sure you derailed the I'm, trailer. I'm pretty sure that's true. Uh, <laughs> they, they don't let me do a lot until it's time to actually have to do something. Uh, but but going back to the story of Saul, it really is kind of like this unsolved mystery because you're reading it, and you're like, so how's this going to play out? Because they're now they're out to kill him. And I mean, if you read the rest of the story of Saul, who will become Paul— um, it's this moment where you watch him go through all of this, like earthbound heartache. He's beaten, he's shipwrecked, he's stoned, he's left for dead. He's got all these scars and bruises all over his body. I mean, the guy just goes through it yet in Philippians, we read, you know, I strain to reach the prize. Um, but he's like, I'm going to strain until I take my last breath. You know, I'm just yeah. going to keep pressing on. Um, and I, I think a lot of times we want we want the conversion of Saul. We don't want the pain that he's going to go through for Jesus. Hmm. We we like the idea yeah. of conversion because we're like, oh, it gives me hope. It gives, we talk about hope here all the time. That's right. like one of our mantras as a church. But you you can't just lean into the hope and not have the pain that comes with hope. Well, yeah, that's. I mean, I don't want to say as unfortunate as it is, but the reality of it is is that you have to. You don't just get that story of, of radical transformation. It's not the Hallmark movie. No. You see how we almost planned that right there? That was cute, right? We did plan it. That's uh, where I was going with it. You uh, thought I derailed it, true. but he didn't. He I, actually, have a, I have he, a thing of notes here. He actually railed it. That's what he did. Um, we, we've got, uh, literally though, we want our lives to be the Hallmark movie. That's what we want. We want to we want to be the one to flip the switch at the end and the lights come on, right? We want to be the one that's found in the snow and everything's pretty. The reality is it's more like unsolved mysteries, like your faith journey. It's very much a, man, I'm not sure how this is going to turn out, but I do know how it's going to turn out. So you said something while ago talking about a little bit later in the book of Acts, um, you know, their descriptor is, but they had been with Jesus. They've been with Jesus. So what do you like, Obviously, there is a there is a parallel. Like they're they're side by side, but like, what do you think the direct parallel, the direct connection is between being difference makers and being like we were with Jesus? Like, how do you yeah. think those two bookend well, each other? I, I don't. I'm not even sure if it's a bookend. I think they're a parallel track. I, I think they you can't have one without the other. Um, if you really want to be a difference maker, then it's got to be evident you've been with Jesus, right? And, and I think like if you ever met those people, you see them and you're like, I don't know what it is about them. They're just something different. Mm -hmm. Um, like I got a friend, Matt Reagan, he's on staff at a church in the Midwest in Louisville. Um, Matt's one of those guys when you, when you hang out with Matt, when you spend time with Matt, you're like, I know you would know if you spent time with him, you just go, that dude's got a relationship with Jesus. That's unparalleled. Like it's just evident. He's been with Jesus. Yeah. 
Um, it, you know, there's just those guys you spend time with and you're like, there's just something different about you. I, like, I want whatever it is that you have, which then gives you the credibility to make a difference, right? Yeah. Because when, when somebody is, when somebody's looking at your life going, I don't know what it is, but I want that, that gives you the credibility to now make a difference. You know, when somebody's looking at your life going, I don't know what it is about that dude, but I don't want to be anything like that guy. Then you lose your credibility. You've lost your credibility to make a difference. And, and I, I think a lot of times we stand on the, we stand on the wrong platforms of life to try to make a difference. Um, and I'm not saying, listen, I'm not saying don't have convictions. Not at all. I mean, there, I know people that are having huge, like making huge strides in, in the realm of the racial tension in our country. And it, there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, I, I think you need to stand on platforms and, and help people understand. Uh, I know people that are standing on uh, political platforms that are actually not what we think is politics, but we actually, they're, they're making a difference. But here's the common thread with every one of them that I know, whether it's, whether it's the, the issues of race, the issues of politics, the issues of life, what, whatever it is, just fill in the blank with your thing. All of them that are making any kind of difference, they're not doing it by screaming judgment. Mm. They're doing it by having conversations. Yeah. Um, and, and the people that are polarizing typically are the ones that are screaming the loudest to get their point heard. The difference makers don't have to scream at all. No, I actually, I, I did not get enough sleep just because I got back late last night. Um, but also I stayed up watching TikToks because I got my cell service back and wanted to do that. Um, and I actually watched a TikTok that went viral of uh, some protesters who went into an art museum and tossed oh, yeah. uh, like a can of soup onto a Van Gogh. Which, uh, what did Van Gogh do? <laughs> I'm still trying to figure that out. So I, I went through like because, and I mean, I'm asking that question genuinely. What I'm did like, Van Gogh do? What did Van Gogh do? Like, what what happened? Like, why why is it his painting? I because it was a painting of well known. Like it was a well-known painting gotcha. in a well-known gallery. Something of value. They knew that they would get someone's attention by doing it. And that's what I, like they, I went through the comments and that's what everyone was saying. And so like you see this video and you don't even know what they're protesting. And like you have to read through the comments to find someone else who captured the other part of the video to find out what, what they're What even, were they protesting? Climate change. I'm so confused. Which feel however you want to about climate change. Sure. But throwing soup on a painting do, doesn't do anything. So it was really interesting because... To your point, the people who are screaming the loudest are, it, it kind of gets lost. Right. So, like, they want to protest this, but they've just polarized themselves to everyone because they just ruined priceless art. Right. And now no one even cares. Like, no one knows what they were protesting. And then once they find out, they're like, I don't care. I care that you ruined this Yeah, painting. it's like, what did Campbell's Soup and Van Gogh do to you? Nothing. Right. So, so why not have a conversation? Right. Now, the flip side of that is, like, I, and I don't, admittedly, I don't watch a lot of news anymore because I just don't. I don't think I can find anything that's actually unbiased or fair. Um, but the one thing I have paid attention to is the protests in the Middle East with the women that are cutting off their ponytails. Oh, that yeah. are, um, that's a whole different beast to me. Yeah. Like there, there's an oppression that has been happening to women. There's been an, a, an oppression that has been happening for, for decades, if not centuries. And um, to, to see somebody to finally have the guts <clears throat> to stand up and go, uh, no more. Well, I think the difference for me between those two scenarios is what they're doing is not, they're not causing property damage. They're not, they're no. just, they're just making a statement. Right. And, and they're making a statement in the most peaceful way they can. Right. Um, and, and people are rallying behind that. Um, throwing soup on a Van Gogh for climate change. Like I can't make the connection. No. 
because now in my mind, you've lost all credibility of voice. That, that's what I love about actually once he becomes Paul. Like if you go to Acts 17, he goes to the Areopagus in Greece, which I've stood in the Areopagus in Athens. I've stood in this spot where Paul preaches the sermon in Acts 17. Uh, but it's where it's where he goes and he, he's walking around and, and you can see the Parthenon from there. And I can only imagine in ancient Greece how that place looked. And, and he, but it's where Paul walks around. There's like 350 gods. They've got altars to all the gods because they don't want to offend any right. of them. And he comes to the altar of an unknown God. Instead of Paul standing there going, let me tell you why you guys are morons. What is all this crap? What is all these all these gods? He doesn't do that. He goes to that altar and goes, hey, I actually know who this is. And they're like, wait, what? He goes, I know the unknown God. Let me tell you about him. See, he he doesn't go and scream at them that all their gods are stupid or that they're uh, that what's wrong with them or judgment. He doesn't condemn them for all their gods. He just goes, I know who this one is. Let me tell you about him. And they have a conversation. He doesn't protest. He doesn't go, let me go get all my disciples. We're going to protest your gods. We're going to... There's, gonna, no, there's no riot. There's no, we're not no... going to throw, you know, a falafel all over your your artwork. <laughs> you know, whatever they were going to do at the time. Um, he's like, we're, we're not doing that. What we're going to do is we're going we're gonna to find an entry point to have a conversation. And it's when you find entry points and commonality with people, I think that's where you can actually have systematic change for the gospel in the lives of other people. Those are the people that you look at and you go, I don't know what it is about that guy. But I want, but I, I want, want to be it. like that, right? Or I want that, right? It's like when when I see men or women that have claimed to be atheist find faith, they didn't find it because somebody debated them to death, or yelled at them, and or told them they were dumb, at them or told them how stupid they are. What they did was they found somebody walking and go, hey, "Can I share with you my story of transformation? Can I share with you my hope of transformation?" Um, and they they can receive it or reject it, but when you come from that that angle with people, they're way more they're way more willing to hear your gospel. They're way more willing to hear about the Jesus that you want to present because Jesus didn't, the only people Jesus came guns a blazing at were the religious elite. Everybody else, Jesus came in and, and actually was very gentle. Um, well, and I like that, like when Jesus is telling stories like parables, like he made it easy to understand. Right. Like he took something that's very applicable to that, that culture or that, that lifestyle or what, and he, he made a story out of it right. because he wasn't going to speak like in a, in a, in a way that went right, like right well, over their head. That's what the religious leaders did. Right. They wanted you to feel inferior by their knowledge. And Jesus was like, here, let me help you understand this. Like it, it and that it probably the greatest compliment I've ever given in preaching is when people come to me and they're like, you just make it so simple. I'm like, well, first of all, I'm not smart enough to make anything more than simple. Cause I'm pretty simple, but Jesus, I think Jesus spoke in parables for me because oh, yeah. I read the parables and I go, that makes sense. Like don't overcomplicate. I think we overcomplicate Jesus all the time. I think Jesus is like Christians are notorious for overcomplicating oh, my, Jesus. I, my gosh, it's like yeah. we've become the religious. Correct. We're the Pharisees, right? And so I'm always like, it's funny. I watch all these people that they go to these conferences for Christians, which there's nothing wrong with. I've been to plenty of them. I've, sp- I've spoken at them, but the ones that I don't resonate with are when they're like, now let's get in a room and let's talk about how our theology is superior. I'm like, so how's that helping us reach more people? Like, how's our knowledge of theology reaching more people? Well, and in Matthew 13, you even see the disciples just point blank. It's, it's in the message, but they point blank just ask Jesus, why do you tell stories? Yeah. And basically the the long and short of it is he, Jesus comes back and says, I tell stories to those who don't understand yet. Like right. you've been like, you are my disciples. You're with me all the time. You've been given insight. You, you get it. But not everyone gets it, and I'm trying to make it to where everyone can get it. Well, and I love what Jesus is saying there to them is like, bring more people to me that need to get it. Yeah. He's not saying, help me find them. He's like, go get them and bring them to me. 
go, go get them. And, and in the meantime, what Jesus is doing, he's training his disciples to go, this is how you're going to help people see me. Yeah. Don't overcomplicate it. Don't, don't, don't make it hard to get well, to me. Well, and I, I think to the disciples' credit, like, they grew up in the culture where the religious leaders were making it complicated. And so they're Absolutely. like, is that not what we're supposed to be doing? And so right. it's like, you have to unlearn that, well, that and behavior. Je- and Jesus is a, keep in mind, like, I, and I, I'm not insulting your intelligence, but I, I don't know if you know this, but in Jewish culture, when you would go through like these stages, like every Jewish boy and girl up to about the age of 12 would go through rabbinical training. At 12, usually the girls at that point, they would go into being homemakers, having children, 12, 13, 14. I know we hear that and we're like, oh, gross. Keep in mind, lifespans and culture. Um, <clears throat> so these girls would then go into homemaking, whatever that was going to look like. Young boys would then go, and basically they would interview with rabbis. And rabbis would say, yes, I'm going to accept you. No, I'm not. When Jesus gets the 12, all of them are rabbinical rejects. Not a single one of them have been chosen by a rabbi. So Jesus goes, it was uncommon for a rabbi to come to you and go, I'll take you. So now Jesus has taken these rabbinical rejects. He's gone to them. We know they're rejects because they're fishing, they're Mm -hmm. tax collecting, they're whatever. They're doing a trade. So now Jesus comes and goes, they don't have to, like, Jesus like, I choose you, which is a huge statement. Now this is a new teaching. So when you take on the teaching, which was called the yoke, you know, when Jesus says, you know, take my yoke, it's easy. My burden is light. Um, his teaching is easy. And he's not going to burden you with a bunch of stuff like the religious leaders were doing. Right. So for these guys to hear Jesus say, I choose you the reject that nobody wanted. Like no, no rabbi chose them. Nobody said, we'll take you. So now they've been the rejects. Jesus goes, I'll choose you. I'm going to actually come after you, not ask you to come to me. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to interview. I'm going to come to you. Um, and then... To say my yoke is going to be easy, my teaching is going to. I'm going to make this so easy for you to understand. Um, and my bur- I'm not going to burden you. Like the burden is off you. It's on me. The, like that is such a mind blowing thing for me. So when Saul has this conversion of earth shattering life change, it's just like the disciples. That's earth shattering life change for those guys. Yeah. Like wait, uh, like when Jesus is on the boat and they're, he's like, hey, you're fishing on the wrong side, and they're like, Jesus, we're fishermen. He's like, put your cat, put your net on the other side. I'm chasing another rabbit here, so. Um, I've stood in the spot on the Sea of Galilee where this took place. When Jesus says, throw your nets on the other side, um, what he was actually doing was they were throwing on the side closest to Jerusalem. When he says, throw on the other side, it would have been towards those that would have been non-Jewish, the Mm. Gentiles. So Jesus in that moment is saying, you're not going to catch any fish on this Israel side, so throw it on the Gentile side of the boat towards towards the Gentiles. Mm. And they bring in a haul so big that the nets can't even hold them. And so, like, when you understand that, Jesus is going, my teaching is really easy. But if they don't want to hear it, cast your nets on the other side of the boat. Yeah. They want to hear it. And I promise you, you'll catch a lot of them. That's so cool. So, like, me coming to Tucson with my family, I'm looking at Tucson going, all right, time to cast our nets in this big old freaking Gentile pond out here because there's people that desperately want Jesus in our culture. Absolutely. And, And I really believe God has primed this city for that to happen. Well, we've talked about it before in in past episodes, like, people who become Christians after, you know, X amount of time. Yeah. And they, they then like have their friends who were Christians and they didn't know they were Christians. They're like, why didn't you, like, why didn't you want me to have this? Like you never told me about this. You never yeah. shared this with me. I think that is indicative of more of our culture than we realize. Like they don't know that they want it because they don't know what it is. Yeah. And it's our job to tell them what. Well, and I, I think the church has created this culture, not 
not our church, the church, has created this culture where we've made it feel like if you don't know enough, then you can't you can't get people to Jesus. Jesus is like, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. My teaching is simple. Go love people authentically with the gospel of Jesus. Help them see me. I will transform their life. Yeah. You and I don't have to transform people. That's not my job. Uh, I'm not Optimus Prime. I'm not a transformer. <laughs> That's not my job. My job is to get you to Jesus, the one that transforms. Um, that's all my job is. That's it. Like I, the, I'll never forget when I finally had the realization that I saved nobody, how much better my ministry became. Mm. Because when, when you think that you have to save people, that's my job is not savior. Well, no, if you put that weight on yourself, that's how can, how can like you're stifling yourself, you're suffocating yourself under a weight that you're not supposed to carry. Yeah. That's again, a burden that is light. That is not a light burden. No. Jesus like, let me take that burden. I got it. I, I took it's my cross. Job. That's my job. Your job, like when when I read Jude 23, my favorite scripture, rescue others by snatching them from the flames of judgment. My only job is to rescue people from the flames by snatching them away from it and throwing them as close to Jesus as I can. That's it. Yep. Let Jesus do what Jesus does. You do what Jesus calls you to do. Go and make disciples. Yeah. It's really that simple. Like that we would be everyday makers, that we wouldn't just sit and take, we'd go and make. The Hence the name of this podcast we talk about every time we're on here going from Sunday takers to everyday makers. It's really as simple as just go share the hope and transformation what's happened to you. Well, yeah, everyone like, and that's back to, you know, parables in Matthew 13. Like, yeah, we all have a story. Everyone. I mean, some of them are dark. Some of them are, are not as, as harmful as others, but everyone has a story and everyone on this planet who has a story, someone else probably in your path is going to be able to relate to that story and, if and you're just need, willing to share it. And I think they need your story. They do. And, and here's the beauty of your story. It's your story. You don't have to memorize it. You don't have to write it down. You don't need a teleprompter. You don't need notes. Like, it's your story. Well, no, it's like when we, we you don't know this, but like, not you, but our listeners. Our listeners. They don't know that like where, where we're sitting right now is actually in our video studio as well. Yeah. Um, and so like when we come, when we have like a, a family or someone who got baptized come in and tell their story, it's, it's a very different setting than it is when we record video announcements or anything like that. Right. Like if I'm, if I'm doing video announcements, I have a teleprompter. I write the script, I read it. Right. But when someone comes in and tells their story, we actually pull out a couch and we put out a, a table and like it, it's a very living room setting. And I think that just Mentally. even setting that environment, like we, we've talked on this podcast before about how environments matter, the shift in, in their tone and their mood and their, and their body language just is completely different whenever they're comfortable. And so I think, you know, even even that is is translatable to sharing your story. You know, I, I wouldn't want to share my story necessarily in an uncomfortable environment. I would go to a coffee shop and sit down and share it with someone or I would, you know, in my living room or things like that. Yeah. Well, that's why my office is set up the way that it is. I don't have a desk. So everyone walks in and they're like, where's your desk? I'm like, I don't have a desk. They're like, well, how do you work? It's a laptop. I was like, well, I got a laptop. I got a great desk that travels with me everywhere I go. It's called my legs. Um, but... M- my office is set up with a couch, a couple chairs, a, a coffee table, some bookshelves, a coffee station. And every time people walk in, they're like, oh, man, this is really, it's cozy. It feels like home. I'm like, that's the point. Do you do this thing? This is me going off on a rabbit trail a little bit. Whenever you sit on a couch, do you, like, if there's, like, throw pillows on the couch, do you, like, kind of cuddle uh-huh. the pillow while you sit there? I do. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. I don't know why I do it. But I, But you have the pillows on your couch, so I wondered, like. I do it all the time. So it's not just me. It's like no, no, a no. lot of people actually do that. I don't do know if that. it's like a security blanket for me. It feels like it is. I, I'll tell you when I when I was 
well, when I was a hundred pounds heavier, I did it so that nobody could see my stomach. See, I want, like, I used to do that too. And now I'm sitting on my couch at home and I can't like sit there and enjoy a show without putting a pillow I, I over can't, me. I can't sit on, if there's not a pillow, and I, like in our green room, it drives me nuts. <laughs> I'll, I'll get some pillows There are you. no pillows in that green room. I sit on the couch. <laughs> I'm like, what do I do? I have no security. Like, that's why I tried to cuddle Grady the other day, but he wasn't having it. I'm like, Grady, I need a pillow. You're right next to me. Cuddle with me. He was like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, a lot of things are wrong with me. <laughs> but right now I don't have a pillow and you're the closest thing to me. So, um, well, with that weird statement, um, you know what? We're 30 minutes into this podcast. And you know what we've not done yet? Coffee break. We've not had a little bit of coffee time. Uh, I feel like this is the most appropriate day to have a coffee time because uh, you just drove back from Mexico last night. Yeah. Um, I, I'm telling you, man, yesterday I was so tired. Um, my daughter had homecoming on Saturday night and, um, which was great. I took her to, I took her to dinner. I was her homecoming dinner date and, uh, we went to cereal grillers and had uh, dinner. Then we went to, um, crumble cookies and got a cookie. Mm -hmm. And, uh, then I dropped her off at the dance and, uh, she hung out with a bunch of her friends and, uh, she texts us from the dance and she's like, Hey, can I have some friends over after the dance? And in my head, I'm like, it's Saturday night. The dance is over at 11. <laughs> <sighs> I'm like, but we want to be the house where right. people come. So I'm like, sure, that's fine. It started with five to seven. I was like, all right. Um, I was like, I ain't taking any of them home, though. I was like, they can get home on their own. <laughs> and uh, then it turned in. Most of them couldn't do it. But this this one kid came over and they stayed up till like 1 a.m. watching some horror movie because she's into horror movies. And I'm not. I don't like to be scared for fun anymore. That's not my my thing. Um, I just I just don't I don't like to have bad dreams. I, so anyhow, about one o'clock they were done, and uh, Laura knew I had to preach yesterday, um, and so she took she took this kid home at like one fifteen. But you know how that is. Like you're hearing everything, and so I, you're not actually sleeping. No, they get back, and they Natalie's got to take showers, and Laura's got to get ready for bed, and like I, I don't know if your wife's this way. Like when I get up, I try to be a ninja, mm -hmm. quiet. Like I sneak around the house, like I'm tiptoeing. Um, my wife has zero depth perception. <laughs> and I mean, it's like, boom, bam, water, door, slam. I'm like, all right. And then my daughter decides, like, she likes to use our shower, even though we have three of them in our house. She uses ours. So of course. Now she's in our shower talking to Laura at 2 a.m., like full bore. Like, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, why do we have to be Italian and Greek? And why, why are you so loud? Like, you got the worst of us. Um, and so then we, everybody gets to bed about quarter to three, three fifteen. we have a hailstorm. Oh, like, by the way, Hey, Arizona, what is up with your weather? You get to pick one thing. Like I, I love, listen, I'm not mad about the weather here at all. I don't complain. I will never complain about Arizona. I love hot. I don't like snow. I love this morning. It was 50 on my back patio. Mm -hmm. It's going to be 78 today. Like I'm in, I'm in heaven right now. But what the heck would y'all tell me it doesn't rain or do anything after like September 15th? Someone, so I've never seen, I've lived here for almost four years now, not in Tucson, but in Arizona. I've never seen a tornado here. One of our, he used to actually be on staff here at Pantano. His name's Julio. Um, he's on staff at CCV now in Phoenix. Yeah. He posted uh, something on his Instagram story yesterday. There's a tornado. Just, I, that, that's not supposed to happen here. Yeah. What, hey, what's going on? Like Arizona's are, weather patterns. Are we are, in the end times right now? I think well, we are. I mean, technically, since Jesus resurrected, we've been in the end times. So let's have that theological debate over coffee. That's not coffee time. Um, that is not coffee time. <laughs> That's another podcast um, entirely. That is a whole other po podcast. But so all that to say, uh, so finally about 445, 
Sunday morning, I'm like, well, this is dumb. So I, <laughs> I got up and got coffee, went out of the kitchen. <laughs> I'm like, I'm usually up 4.30, but I've usually had like five or six hours right. sleep prior to it. So I get here yesterday morning, ready to preach, and it's like, I'm dragging, dude. So I go in my office, and I've got like, literally, I've got probably 20 bags of coffee. <laughs> so now I was like, do I go Guji? Do I go... Um, Sonia, my assistant, she brought me back this coffee from Tombstone, Arizona and, uh, this espresso. Um, and I'm like, do I do espresso this morning? And I'm like, maybe, but not yet. Um, I had some of that, um, Indonesian in there. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I look in my grinder and it was completely full and I'm like, well, I can't empty that. So, um, (laughs) I went, I went straight back to the Guji, um, which I believe is in my cup right now is is what you made this morning. Um, so walk, we talked about this a little bit last week, like, the Pop Rocks of Presta. <laughs> Presta Pop Rocks. That's what they ought to rename this. We just marketed this for y'all. This is Tasty Notes it of should, Pop Rocks. It should actually come with a free bag of Pop Rocks. Just, well, it's Halloween. So, like, if they just for... Oh, put it on the for top. The, like for, like, this last week of October coming up, you just tape a bag of Pop Rocks to the back oh, of you, that Guji. Even better, you know what you do when you get it? You garnish the rim of the glass, the mug, with Pop Rocks. You could actually do a cold brew with this. Yes. And then chill a glass... In your freezer, and then yep. crush up some pop rocks just like you would, and then I like that you said crush up pop rocks. Like that's not what they are; they're already crushed. well. They're kind of chunky. I mean, so am I, but I mean, <laughs> <I'm> not... <laughs> hence the pillow. <laughs> hence the pillow on my lap. Um, yeah, actually, that would be a fantastic idea. Presta, if you're listening, I would love to see a cold brew like specialty drink just for the week of Halloween with this Guji, Guji pop rock, Guji pop. Oh, Guji pop. It sounds like an Asian. Boy I was going to say it sounds like <laughs> it does. It does. It sounds like like K-pop. It does. Uh, Gucci you know, pop. Gucci pop. We just made a new genre of music on coffee. There's coffee so time. much happening right now, bro. I don't even know what's happening right now. I'm I'm on my. So this morning I got up, and I'm on like my. This is my fourth. However many ounces. That's sixteen ounces. Yeah. So, I that's thirty two sixty four. That's I've had sixty four ounces of coffee today. Um, How many cups do you usually drink in the course of a day? I don't know cups who knows okay but like your the carter mug you have is 16 ounces how many of those do you typically minimum three okay um i so here's my rhythm like with coffee um we'll let talk, coffee time go this way today like i get up in the morning roughly 4 45 4 30 go downstairs i make my coffee um i usually make a protein shake as well so i'll do a protein shake and get my coffee um i'll guzzle that protein shake like it's literally just like 10 ounces of water and and chocolate pro- right. protein uh, powder. And then um, I go straight to the back porch. Um, I grab my Bible. I grab a book. And it's not light yet now. So I just, I go sit. Literally, I'm like a creeper on my own back porch. Uh, I go sit. Unsolved on, mysteries. I, yeah, well, I am the unsolved <laughs> mystery. Oh, by the way, freaky this morning, I go to go open our sliding glass door. And apparently, I left it unlocked last night. Oh. And I had that moment where I was like, hmm. we could all have been dead this morning. And it had been my fault because I forgot to lock the door last <laughs> night. Um I hope Laura never hears this, but the sliding glass door was left unlocked by me. My bad. Um, and so, but then I go to the back porch and I don't do anything until I drink my first cup of coffee. Like this for like the mm-hmm. first 16 ounces, I do nothing but just sit, drink my coffee um, and just kind of sit in the quiet. Um, that's, that's probably what coffee does the best for me is it helps me focus, just focus for the day. Like, and it's not the coffee, but it, it is the coffee, like the process of coffee for me. I'm getting it ready, yeah. sitting down, and then just allowing the tasting notes of the coffee to go, oh, like, here's what I'm tasting. And then it's like, kind of leads me into just this clearing my head to get ready for my time with God. Yeah. 
Um, and then I, I do reading plans on the Bible app. I've got my Bible. I underline. I, I do this weird. I don't, I don't know if you do this, but I, you're a little younger and more tech, technological usage of your Bible than I am because I, I can't preach from an iPad. Like I can't do it. It just, I don't trust technology. Um, you're showing your age. Uh, that's okay. I, I don't trust technology because my Bible never, never glitches. That's true. It, it just never that, does. To your point, yes. But I, I have my reading plan with version typically, and then I've got my Bible right next to it. And even though I've got the scriptures, I'll actually turn to those scriptures in my Bible. Oh, that's cool. I write my Bible. I underline in my Bible. People are like, but you can highlight. You're just using the app to basically track the plan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To track the plan. To just It keeps me in rhythm. Actually, I might um, pick that up. I like that. Yeah, well, here's the thing, because people are like, in version, you can take notes in version and highlight, which I do highlight, and uh, but I don't take notes in there because I'm like, I don't. If I open the app, I don't see that note. Right. When I open my Bible, I can see the underline. I can see the note. Um, here's what's really funny. This morning, I'm in my Bible, and there's coffee stains on this page. And I'm like, <laughs> but it took me back to a core memory of coffee and the Bible. I, I was sitting early on in our new house here. I was sitting on the back porch. And you ever that moment where you got a cup of coffee? That's why I love this, because I can't really spill this. But I had a mug, and I, I went to turn, and I hit the edge of like the table, and my yep. Bible was there. And it was like, bluge. And I was like... It happened on our couch the other day. I was like, are you kidding me right now? I spilled at least eight ounces of coffee, like oh, yeah. fresh hot coffee oh, on yeah. my lap on the couch. Oh, yeah, that's good. And it looks like you had a different kind of accident on your mm-hmm. couch. So, you, you know, um, but uh, the it was a good reminder, though, because I love the coffee stain on my pages because I was like, I remember this moment and I remember what I was reading. I remember what I was praying about. And then I remember how I almost lost Jesus in that moment because it hurt so bad and it was burning. And I was like, <laughs> I had to ask for forgiveness for some things that probably left my mouth in that moment at, at five o'clock in the morning on my back porch. Um, and, and if I'm sorry if you're offended by that, but I'm a real human being. Like we just real when I spill 200 degree coffee yeah. on my lap and all over it my hurts. Bible, it hurts. And, um, I, I confessed. I repented. It's okay. Like I'm, I'm good. Uh, the blood of the, the blood of the lamb covers me. Um, and the coffee, and the coffee. Actually, more so that day. Um, but that that becomes. And then I'm. Then I usually have a book that I read as well. So I spent about an hour, hour and a half on my back porch in the morning, and uh, it just kind of coffee is always central to setting my day. Mm-hmm. Um, but this this Guji has been um, this and that Indonesian have kind of been the two that have been in my world. Um, but you, you actually made the Guji today. Like you, you intentionally put that in the grinder in here. You put it mm-hmm. down, even though we talked about it last week. Talk to me about what you like about this. Cause we talked about how Aaron doesn't really like this last week. Right. Um, and that's fine. Which by the way, we're going to have him on soon and he can, he, tell, on? He's, he can tell us more about why he doesn't like it. Is he actually going to come on? He, yeah. yeah. Cause he keeps declining the invitation <laughs> on, on the calendar invite. And I'm like, why do you keep declining, man? Come, come yeah. Yeah. Out. We're going to have him on soon. Good. Um, I think. First or second week of November, I think. So Sweet. Look for that. So you you intentionally made this Guji today. Yeah. So um, I, I really like the Guji. Um, I, you know, my, I've said before on this podcast, I default and lean more towards Ethiopian coffees yeah. just at large. Um, but more and more like within this last couple of years of my life, I've really liked just trying different things, different origins and finding different, like, I mean not like a huge step out of my comfort zone, but just trying different things. Like I, I found that I really enjoy Costa Rican coffees. Yeah. I've always known that I enjoy Honduran coffees. Um, Honduran is usually a little more difficult to come by, but having said that, uh, while I was in Rocky point, I, uh, I, I have a travel Pelican case that I keep all my coffee gear in that I travel with whenever I'm not sure I'm going to be able to get good coffee. I do the same. I like the Pelican case idea though. I'll, uh, I need to see your setup. I will bring it. 
Uh, I'll bring it next week. Sweet. Um, but yeah, it's a little Pelican 1510 case and it's actually covered in stickers of all my favorite coffee shops. Um, and I like the 1510 case because, and this is a rabbit trail, but it's TSA certified for uh, carry on. So like no airline can really? deny you carrying it on. So how, how big is that? It's the maximum size that a carry on piece of luggage can be. Really? Um, so it's like, uh, so it's like an actual like carry on bag. Yeah. It's, it's got like, roller it's wheels. Big. It's got roller wheels. And it so, oh. like, I've got plug and pull foam in it. I can put a Chemex in it, a kettle, a grinder, and a canister with coffee. Bro, that's intense. I like that. Um, but I took that with me down to Mexico and uh, did pour overs every morning while I was there. Um, I, think I, I think I hurt Chris's feelings because I didn't bring enough for him. Um, well, bring your own, Chris. Get over I yourself. didn't know that he was going to want it. Um, and that's, that's maybe on me. I didn't communicate. Um, as a communicator, I didn't communicate and I'm, I'm Chris, I'm sorry. No, I don't, I, I don't think you should apologize for that. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, I, I don't, I don't think I, Chris, Chris, you're actually the head of that department. <laughs> you should have been thinking about your staff. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like I flipped that. Just you just completely flipped that upside down. I did. Um, actually I don't care. Uh, it's fine. But I, uh, yeah, so I took that Honduran coffee with me and actually finished. It was Presta's uh, last batch of Honduran coffee that I took with me and finished it off while I was down there. And so when I got back home, um, you know, three or four days with the same coffee, I kind of want to try something different usually um, or go back to something else that I already have. And so this this Guji was uh, kind of like saying hello to an old friend. Oh, I like that. Yeah. You know, there are coffees that do that for me. Yeah. Like I, I like if I were to go back to Mason right now, I'd go to Adesso, get the Oaxaca um, it would literally, I, I, right now it takes me back. I can hear the sounds of the coffee shop. I can like all those things. Um, I think about coffees in, in Texas when I was there at, um, Bongiorno coffee shop where, um, the guy's a master roaster and he would roast in house. Like my backpack for a solid, like five years smelled like whatever he was roasting. <laughs> um, he used to do a lot of yoga chaffs, which were really, really good. Um, you know, I, I, a lot of people don't like this Guji. I, I like it. I like it. I actually really do like it's it. It's not something that I would daily drive, I don't think, because it no. is a little more on the sweet side. Yeah, it's got a lot more floral and fruit tone in it, especially yeah. the fruit tones a yep. lot, um, which I'm typically like, I don't like a harsh coffee, but I, I like more of a smooth. Mm-hmm. This is really bright. That yep. taste of bright we had in the yellow, <laughs> the the yellow, yellow brick. brick. Th- this, this is the a, taste of bright. This is the taste of bright. Now that you know what bright tastes like, uh, you can that, taste it. Right. I, it's true. Uh, you can taste dark. <laughs> you can definitely taste bright. Um, but I, I really dig this. And and the yellow, was it yellow brick? Yeah. The yellow brick coffee last week was really good. Um, it, it took me on like a yellow brick road like took me to oz a little bit like it was really good follow, 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 yeah follow. That, should, that should be <laughs> that should be just a clip that we pull of you just doing that that's your new ringtone uh, uh anytime no. you call me i just get follow follow, follow. <laughs> uh, all right as weird as this in this been, segment uh, i'm gonna i'm gonna get us out of coffee time while we continue to drink our coffee and uh man we got a lot of stuff coming up this this yeah. next month uh this next week honestly um so as we as we kind of get that final sip going into the day, going into the week today, um, obviously when people are hearing this, it's Wednesday. So hopefully you've had plenty of uh, pick me up into your week. Yeah. Um, but what's what's coming up? What do we need to talk about? So most most immediate uh, next Sunday, we've actually got a special guest speaker. Yeah, I can't wait. Um, so Cal Jernigan, Cal is lead pastor at Central Christian Church up in Phoenix, um, and they've got six campuses around. Um, the, the Valley, they've got Mesa, Gilbert, Ahwatukee, um, Tempe, um, they're just a uh, Queen Creek. 
and it's fantastic church. Um, Cal's been there for a long time and, um, Cal started as a youth pastor there and then took over for Roy Lawson, who is a legend in, in Arizona and, and really in the country. And, um, Cal has grown that church now to uh, pre-COVID. I don't know where they are right now. Pre-COVID, they were almost 11,000 people wow. on, on at seven campuses. Um, they've combined two campuses coming out of COVID just because of overhead and, and COVID changed everything. But they're still, I bet you they're still close to 10,000 people a weekend. And um, Cal is at, he's, when I tell you Cal is one of the best leaders in the country, that that's not an exaggeration. Like the circles that he's in, the leadership that he gets to speak into, um, he's going to be on the podcast next week. Yep. And you... I'm just telling you there there's very few people in my life that I can look at and go the significant impact of their life way beyond me is massive. And I have no idea why I get to sit at his feet of leadership, but I do. And Cal's not just a mentor. He's a friend. Uh, I'm in a, I'm in a mentor group of pastors that he leads at his cabin a couple times a year. Like I'll be up there in a couple of weeks with him at his place in Arizona, up in uh, happy Jack, Arizona. Mm. And um, it, it's, it's one of the most genuine rich times I spend anywhere all year. And, and Cal is more than a mentor. He's a friend, uh, one of the most unbelievable preachers you'll ever hear. Mm-hmm. And so I like, I'm like giddy as a little kid, like that I get to have Cal come and speak to our people and him and Glenn went to high school together. Our former lead pastor here. Oh, that's cool. Um, they went to college together. Um, in fact, if I'm getting this story right, I think that Cal and Lisa are responsible for Glenn and Jolene being together. Oh, wow. If I get that right. I might have that backwards. Don't quote me on that. Glenn, if you listen to this, you can correct me if I'm wrong on that. I will make a correction. Cal will make the correction. Glenn, leave us a voicemail. Glenn, leave us a voicemail. Go to the Anchor app. Leave us a voicemail. Better yet, Glenn, let's get you on the podcast because I know you listen. And Glenn would be great to have on the I don't know <laughs> He why, absolutely I don't know, would be. I don't know why we haven't had Glenn on the podcast. It's like <laughs> the dumbest non-invite that we've had so far. Like, what's wrong with us? Um, but it, it's it's really cool. Cal's going to be here this coming Sunday. And I, I cannot wait for our people to experience Cal. That's going to be awesome. I can't wait to experience Cal. Like, I, I, it's always good when I get to spend time with him and, and hang out. And for him to love on our people is going to be even better. Um, then I think almost exactly a month after that, actually, uh, we have Serve Our City. Serve, so that's like, again, one of my favorite things we do right is right around the corner. Hey, uh, so question for the people, like, because uh, I've had this question a couple of times for people. So, because we shut down our campus that weekend, yeah. we don't do service. Uh, what happens online for people that just stumble upon our church online that weekend? So we'll actually have a landing page where it says, hey, we're not doing service today. Go out and serve wherever you're at. Oh, I like um, that. So we kind of encourage, you know, if we've got, you know, sometimes my family tunes in in Alabama. Yep. Um, you know, if you're tuning in in Alabama or Florida or Tennessee, wherever you're at, um, if you're following along with Pantano on November 13th, we just encourage you to find somewhere to serve in your community and uh, just just love people. Sweet. I love that. Uh, I Again, it's one of my favorite things that we do as a church. And, yeah. you know, it, like like this is not to say that like this is like we've talked so many times before about how church is, it, it's changing, it's evolving. It's not just this one set idea. Correct. Um, but if you feel like you still need your idea of church with a worship service and a message, you can always go back to our archives on mm-hmm. YouTube and pull up something. Yep. That, uh, we got plenty, plenty of on-demand so stuff um, that's sitting out there. And uh, But I, I would encourage you, like if you're listening to this and you don't live here, uh, already, already get yourself set up for that weekend. What's the day that weekend? That's uh, November, is it 13th? 13th, I believe, yeah. November the 13th, Server City weekend. I would encourage you now, go ahead and start. If you don't live here, 
um, or you need help finding something in your community, let us know. We'll, we could even help you maybe find some organizations to partner up with. Well, and actually, if you go to pantano.church slash serve our city, or if you just go to our next step page um, and there's a serve our city button, you'll come to our serve our city landing page. And there's a button that says, you know, I want to serve in Tucson or I want to serve wherever, wherever I'm at. Yeah. And there you kind of get a list of ideas and things like that where you can I love it. You can kind of plan your own serve day experience, yeah. which is pretty cool. I, I love that. Um, and then of course we're, we're right in the middle of seismic shifts, yep. um, which Cal will be speaking into this weekend. Um, and then, then we're into Thanksgiving. That's really happening. Fast. Like I, I don't believe that those words left my lips because actually this time last year, um, I had just accepted the job here, <laughs> like serve our city. Nobody even knew I was lead pastor yet. I was, I'd already accepted the position. I was on campus for serve our city. That's like a undercover boss experience for you. Actually, it was probably my favorite moment because it was, and I don't say this in like a, like an arrogant way, but it was the last time that I knew I was going to be able to walk this campus and not know anybody. Yeah. That, and it was kind of fun for me because I just got to be a fly on the wall. And like, there was a few people that knew obviously, because they were had an insider track on where we were at. Um, But I just walked around and like watched people serve and met people and, um, I loved it because they were like, so are you new to Tucson? I'm like, oh, relatively, Kinda. like I don't live here yet, but my family's moving here. And um, people are like, oh, that's great. Where do you live? And I'm like, Cincinnati. And they're like, oh, you know, <laughs> just hilarious. And it's like, um, it was fun for me because people didn't, they couldn't make the connection, which yeah. was great. Um, but it was also fun for me, like a kind of undercover boss to walk around and go, this is really cool. Yeah. Like, and with no pretense from anybody, like nobody was put on errors because I was around, right. you know, and not that they do that anyhow, but um but you knew what you were seeing was 100% It was 100% authentic. authentic. Like there was no, like nobody was putting on a show. Nobody was doing it for anybody, but they wanted to just serve our community, which That's is so the cool. heartbeat of our church, which yeah. is what I love, which is what really drew me to be a, a part of this place. Um, and I'm, I'm humbled and honored that I get to be in the position that I'm in here. But um, I love the heartbeat of this place is we just want to serve everybody else. Yeah. That, that's a heartbeat of our church. Uh, that's what I love about Pantano. That's what I love about what our, our impact is right now in our city and around the country and around the globe. It is, it's just impact wherever you are. Be the church where you are. Yeah. Um, where you are is where the church is. So whether you're in your living room, whether you're in your workplace, whether you're in your school, whether you're at, by the way, Phil, this is for you. Starbucks <laughs> that I affectionately called four bucks yesterday. Um, and Phil, who um, Phil runs all of our, our sound technology, all that stuff. Um, Phil didn't get that joke until today. And he's the smartest man I know. <laughs> so it just gives me hope that me, as the dumbest guy I know, got a guy that's the smartest guy I know not to understand a really simple joke. It's really good. Um, I love that he sent you that Slack today, too. <laughs> like, like, he's like, I just, I just got, got that. that. Like, I, I picture Phil just laid in bed this he's morning. He's been sitting on that for 24 I, hours. I feel like Phil was laid in bed this morning. I was like, ha, 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 I just feel like he laughed out loud, like, his big old beard just flopping in the wind as he's laughing. <laughs> I just, I hope it was a belly laugh, Phil. That's what I really hope. And Grady's really happy right now because we're not talking about Grady and the gate. We're talking about Phil and Starbucks. Yeah. Um, anything else you got, Dylan? No, that, I mean, other, the only other thing that's coming up, uh, well, not the only other thing. There's always stuff that's going on in the background, but the other big thing that's going on right now is uh, Rooted yeah. is going to launch in January. I know we push that a lot, but it is yeah. because it is something we believe in wholeheartedly. And it's an experience that is unlike any other that I've been a part of in church. Yeah. If you've not gone through it, which is a good chunk of you because we just launched it this last year, um, I would highly encourage you get signed up and get ready for January. It's 10 straight weeks. It's a commitment. If you can't give 10 straight weeks, it's okay. We don't love you less, 
just, I would say, make that commitment. Yeah. Because it, it's worth the commitment. It will change how you follow Jesus. It will change how you do life. It'll actually help you go from Sunday taking to everyday making. That's, it, it really yeah. will. Um, and it's got all the elements of what it means to be a disciple in it. Well, and, and to that in, to that end, like like what we were just talking about with Serve Our City and serving anywhere you are, um, we actually offer online groups for Rooted too. So yeah. if you are part of Pantano and just not in the Tucson area and want to be in a Rooted group or want to know more what that's like, yep. uh, we have online options for you too. Uh, our digital ministries director actually takes care of all that. So it's it's super cool to see yep. how that works. Yeah, we, we'll get you in, get you rocking. You can find all that on our website. Just go to groups. You'll see Rooted. Uh, love to get you plugged in, but hey, thanks for being a part of this episode. Dylan, it's good to have you back, man. It's good to be uh, back. I'm in a very stepbrothers kind of way, man. I think we just became best friends. All right, peace. Thanks so much for joining us for this week's episode of The Make Podcast, where we're moving from Sunday takers to everyday makers. To learn more, head over to pantano.church slash the make. We can't wait to see you again next week.